0: Father, we just come to you this morning as your children. Your word says the whole family on heaven and earth bow their knees. Acknowledge your name that you are our father. We are coming to you as children, as sons and daughters For the exhortation through your servant Solomon is son, daughter, listen to my words. So we come to you, Lord, with the attitude of a child, of a son, of a daughter, so that we may hear what you are telling us, what you are speaking to us, what you are exhorting us to be. Touch our ears, Lord, with the precious blood of your Son. Cleanse our ears and sanctify our ears that we may hear what your Spirit says. For over and over, your Word says, all those who have ears, let them hear what the Spirit says. Oh, Bama Gilead, touch our eyes that we may see. You told the last day's church, audition, to buy from yourself for their eyes because they were blind. They could not see. Touch our eyes, O Lord, that we may see our own true state and also what is coming. Touch my lips, Lord. Sanctify my lips with your fire. Cleanse it first. Then, Lord, I pray, grace be poured upon my lips. that I might speak your word. For no one is worthy to speak your word unless you make us worthy, Lord. The word you said, I have magnified it above all my name. The word you said is forever settled in the heavens. The word you said was in the beginning with the Father. Touch our hearts that we may believe we may believe. For if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, even today, we will be saved. That's your promise. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Past few weeks, three or four weeks, maybe we've been looking at the person in the bible probably one not probably one of the greatest prophets in the old testament named elijah and in the new covenant he's the, the most important prophet from the old testament because he is the forerunner when jesus came first It was the spirit of Elijah that was upon John that prepared a people to receive Jesus. He went before Jesus. Before Jesus comes a second time to establish his millennium kingdom on earth, nobody knows when. No date can be set because he himself said, no man knows the day or the hour. So nobody can set a date. If anybody sets a day, it's false. Okay? Okay. All we can do is use the discernment God gives us and read the signs. But before he comes to set his kingdom, his everlasting kingdom on earth, again, it's the spirit of Elijah that will come. And then finally, in the middle of the tribulation, I believe Elijah will be one of those two witnesses who will literally stand on earth, given power to a man, Like never before. It's kind of the power that both Moses and Elijah had in the, and Elisha had in the Old Covenant combined. If you read that portion, the kind of anointing and power that is delegated to those two witnesses, unbelievable. So Elijah is important. Okay. And if you look at the ministry of Elijah, whether it's in the Old Testament or in the transition period from the Old to the New as Jesus is on earth, and then at the end as prophesied by the apostle Malachi, it's one purpose, to turn the hearts of people. Turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and turn the hearts of the children to the fathers, before the day of the Lord. It's to prepare. Prepare. Last week, if you listen, when you get time, I know some of you are really busy Some of you are not busy. Some of you are really busy. But when you get time, go through the messages. Make time. Okay. Ultimately, our entire life is about two days. Just two days. The first day is called the day of death. It's appointed unto every man to die once. The next day is the day of judgment. Our entire life comprises of these two days. All that we are hearing, all that we are seeing, all that we are doing is a preparation to that day. It's appointed unto every man to die once. Except that select few who will be alive when he comes. And as the word of God says, who have been found worthy to escape all these things and stand before the Lord. They will not die. Everybody else. Everybody else. The whole of life is the preparation for that day. The day of death. And the day of judgment. So it matters how you die. Really matters how you die. Live well. Die well. So today, we'll go back to Elijah. We'll go back to Elijah. The preparation of a man. the man who will prepare our people. And Then we will have at the end of his ministry the preparation of a generation represented by Elisha. A generation prophetically Daniel will say a generation who knew their God and did great exploits and who could not be seduced by flattery by the Antichrist spirits. A generation will arise like the world has never seen. Okay, so say, I want to be part of that Lord. So let's look at this man, because we have to look at life in the light of scripture. Otherwise life will not make meaning. We will not understand. And we may actually fight against the very things we should fall in line with. You know what? Jesus told the greatest apostle on the road, why do you kick against the gods, You're fighting the very things that is supposed to bring you to me. And sometimes we don't realize we might be in life fighting the very things that is supposed to make us into what God wants us to be. So in 1 Kings chapter 17, we saw this man Out of the blue, no genealogy, no background, no resume, we know nothing about this man until thousands of years later, Apostle James will say, Elijah was a man of like passions, like us, and he prayed. That's where the difference, the similarity ends. He was like us, but unlike us, he prayed. It's a man of prayer, we understand. He was a man of prayer. We'll never know, unless you read the New Covenant. Because if you look at the entire recorded life of Elijah, his entire recorded prayer is two lines. Lord, I have done everything according to your word, O Lord. Now prove yourself. And he's called a man of prayer. You know why? Because if you have a hidden, secret life before God, you don't need to speak much in public for God to answer. He answers. He answers. Okay, he's a man of prayer. And he, out of the blue he comes, he makes his declaration which God has put in his mouth. No rain, no dew until the word of the Lord comes by mouth. And then God tells him, turn eastward, 17.2. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, get away from here. Turn eastward, hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. Get out. That's not what we expect. Like what? After the greatest day of your life. Prophetic day of your life. Standing before who is who in the kingdom. The king and his retinue. Making your declaration. Next thing God sends him into exile. Go to the wilderness. Hide yourself. Months, weeks, I don't know, maybe years. We don't know. A year later. Again the word of the Lord comes. In verse 8 and 9. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Now, that's what I said, we have to see patterns in the Bible. You have to be very careful, very careful. Okay? Hosea 4.6 says, My people are destroyed. Why? For lack of knowledge. Who God is. What his ways are. How does this God work? My people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. Through the prophet Isaiah, God tells Israel in Isaiah 5 and verse 13. Therefore, my people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. They have knowledge. In the last days, we are living in the days no longer of IT. That was still 2022. 23 is the age of AI. Okay? Okay. We are living in the age of AI. And if you do not know the word of God, a small city called AI will defeat you. (laughs) But if you know the Lord and hear from the Lord, you will defeat AI. Call called I in the Bible. You go read Joshua 6, 7, and 8. You will understand how to handle AI. My people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. Because they do not have knowledge. We go into captivity. We'll say, no, I'm not captive. I am free. Let me ask you, really? Are you free from the power of sin? I'm not talking about the penalty of sin. Are you free from oppression? Can you truly say Satan is under my feet? Go into captivity. This is the book of life. Solomon says, there is nothing new under the sun. Everything you and I want to know how to overcome in life End up in eternity as an overcomer is found in one book. One book. That's why it's called the Bible. It's called the Bible. What does Bible mean? No, that we know. That is a uh, basic instructions before leaving earth. Okay, that's that's a, it's in humor or seriously. But what does the word Bible mean? The book. The books. That's what it means, the books. In this book, there are two fundamental things you should look for. One in this book is the doctrine of Christ, the person. The knowledge of God, wisdom which is the application of knowledge. Out of it all comes faith, and without faith, it 's impossible to please God. So it has doctrine: how to love. But doctrine alone is not enough. We struggle. We need examples. So in this book are the experiences of men, good and bad, starting with bad, in Genesis three our first parents who brought us all down. Literally ate us out of the garden. No. Okay. The good and the bad. All the experiences. We need both. Please understand. We need both. I need doctrine. I need the experiences of people so that we know how to put it together. That's how our entire modern education system is framed. You have theory in the class and practical in the lab. And when you go through both, you actually understand how to make this concept work in real life. And God does the same thing. He gives us doctrine and he gives the experiences of people. And doctrine, do not take it lightly. In 2 John, 2 John 1, verses 9 to 11, whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ. The whole thing is called the doctrine of Christ. Does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him. Now, it does not mean that everyone who comes to your house, you need to ask them what their doctrine is. But if somebody knocks on your doctrine and says, I have something to say to you, because all these people go, all these cults go from door to door knocking and try to tell you Jehovah's Witness. are very evangelistic. They will come. But if anyone comes to your house to witness, to testify, but does not bring this doctrine, ask them first, what's your doctrine? You want to share with something with me? What's your doctrine? For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. So don't underestimate the power of doctrine in the Bible. Doctrine is important because doctrine is the way we think and ultimately how we live and ultimately how we will end up. And experiences. After giving us a whole list of people in Hebrews 11, Hebrews 12 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. These are witnesses who have experienced the power of God in their life. The doctrine of Christ in their life cloud of witnesses starting from righteous Abel who was murdered by his brother Cain. Onwards we have the experiences of men and women recorded in the Bible. And we learn from doctrine and this from people and we learn from both how to lay aside two things, the weights and the sin that easily entangles. Why? Because we have to run with endurance the race that is set before us. You have to finish the race, because rewards are only for those who successfully finish the race. And what we need for this race is endurance, patience, perseverance, and endurance. Though we have this cloud of saints, ultimately our eyes should be fixed unto Jesus, looking unto Jesus, Who is the author and the finisher of our faith? If you are in the race and if you are faithful, he is the one who starts you. He is the one who is faithful to finish you. See that you finish your race. Okay? So you will see there, these are the witnesses. So when the church begins in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, the first church that is birthed in Jerusalem, they received the word from Peter very gladly. They are baptized and they steadfastly continued in what first? The apostles doctrine. For those of you who are very new here today, we need, you need to understand why we spend so much time in teaching the word. We spend so much time teaching the word. I will tell you. In the beginning I said there are two days which are most important in our life. The day we die and the day of judgment. When we stand on the day of judgment, Jesus says the father has committed all judgment into whose hands? The son's hands. And Jesus said, I will not judge you. I won't judge you. What you heard on that day will judge you. You know how you will be judged? Not what you heard in school. Not what you heard in college. What you heard. This is the book by which you will be judged. Jesus probably will not even have to open his mouth. Because everything will be very clear. All of us will know our entire life in the fraction of a second. If the devil can take Jesus up to the mountain and show all the nations of this world and their glory in an instant, do you think God cannot show our entire life, everything we have heard, received or rejected in a second? Cause there is no time in eternity. That's why we spend so much time teaching, 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 teaching. They gathered, if you read daily, for the apostles' teaching. And then years later, when persecution started and they were scattered from Jerusalem, the word of God says they all went preaching the word. Cause they had doctrine set into their lives. That's why we teach. That's why we teach. Whether you receive or not is not the issue. When we stand before God, we will be first judged as teachers whether we taught. Then we'll be judged as teachers whether we believed. Okay. So we each one has to be faithful to what we are called to. So we need doctrine. Remember, we need doctrine. So for beginners in the kingdom of God, I'll make it very simple and then go through the whole mass of the Bible. Read Exodus chapter 20. There are 10 commandments there. Doctrine. Concise. Capsule. Right? Capsule. 10 commandments. Read the book of Proverbs. One chapter a month. How many chapters are there? One chapter a day. How many? 31 chapters. It's concise wisdom of God. You get the daily readings. You see, they get, it's very concise. Talking. Then go read Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. The Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount takes the entire law and prophets and gives it to you and says, this is what I expect from you, people of grace. This is my expectation. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. What can grace and truth do? Go read Matthew 5, verse 2 onwards, all the way to chapter 7, the last verse. He's teaching what the kingdom is all about. The doctrine of Christ. The doctrine of the kingdom. Okay? Have it. Have a very somebody wrote in the prayer, have a very close, intimate relationship first with god no it 's called he calls so teach us to pray, and the first thing he said is our father, our father have a relationship that 's why the first thing is relationship. Elijah will turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children, the hearts of the children back to the father first is relationship then is well, can you go to Proverbs chapter 4? I didn't give it to you. 4, verse 1 to 3. Proverbs 4, 1 to 3. Can I have it? Got it? Which you shall share. It's called pastoral privilege. Look, this is what, hear my, hear my children, the instruction of a father. And give attention to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Do not forsake my law. When I was my father's son. Tender. And the only one in the sight of my mother. Who is writing? Solomon. Who is his father? David. Who is he writing to? Another generation. Do you know there are three generations here? David. Solomon. And to somebody else he is writing. And do you know there is a word that is used here, tender? It's just not talking about his age. It is talking about the affection with which his father spoke to him.
1: You know
0: what it means? Discipline without relationship will produce rebellion. You know what God is trying? He says, come to me first. I'm your father. Come to me. I'm your father. Come to me. Rest in me. I've taken all your guilt away. I've taken all your sins. I've taken it all. Come. Come to me. He tells to Israel, all day long I stood with outstretched arms. But nobody came. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. And then listen. Listen. Okay. And Jesus was very particular about it, right? And the disciples, he was tired and the disciples tried to stop the children. What did he say? Do not stop the children from coming to me. Okay. So God speaks. God speaks. Go to him as a father, starting today. Go to him as a father. Let him comfort you. Then listen to his words and read this. Faith comes from hearing. But hearing comes from the word of God. This is the word of God. In Greek, you call it logos. And the hearing part, we call it the living word or rhema. But rhema cannot come without logos. Rhema will never contradict logos. Cannot. Get this, because in the last days, be very, very careful. Because when Jesus went up the mountain and his disciples asked him, when they're coming out of the temple, he said, what are the signs of your coming? He said, over and over, beware of deception. And every deception begins with these words, God said. Or did God say? And that's supposed to be a rhema. In Deuteronomy chapter 6. And words 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is. There will be no contradiction between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There will be no contradiction between Logos and Rima. There cannot be. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was? And what did the Word say in Hebrews 10 and verse 7? In the volume of the book, it is written about me. Behold, I have come for what? To do your will. The son, that is the word, will never contradict the father. How can the son contradict the father? The spirit will never contradict the son and the father. What does Romans 8.27 say? Even the spirit makes intercession for the saints. How? Only according to the will of God. There is no contradiction in the Trinity. So in the last days. Be very very careful. If you hear something. If it contradicts this. God didn't speak. He did not speak. Why? Because it is written. I have magnified my word. above all my name. It is forever. Settled in the heavens. Heaven and earth will pass away but not a dot from my word. So, guard yourself. Because the last days are the days of deception. The days of deception. Be careful. So, if we get these foundations, these fundamentals, we also look back into our own lives, right? Look into our own lives. If we had known these fundamentals, we could have avoided so much confusion, so much grief, So much pain, so much delay in our lives, in our lives. We could have, honestly. Okay. So faith is not in the church or in man. Faith is in God and in Christ. John 14, I don't know whether I gave it, verse 1, this is what Jesus says. Believe in God and believe also in me. That's faith. Okay? A lot of people have faith in their church. Have faith in your church if your church has faith in God. They have faith in their pastor. Have faith in your pastor if your pastor has faith in God. But when you are a pastor, including me and Pastor Vijay, when we go out of the word, stay in the word. Let the pastor go. but You stay in the word. For 15 years I have said the same thing. Okay. Stay in the word. Believe in me. So when God sent his son, other than the big purpose, that is atonement. The other primary reason he sent is that we would know how to walk in the word, how to live this life of faith, how to live in the word. That's what John 1.14 says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the father, Full of grace and full of truth. This is what God ultimately at the end wants to make everyone. If you want to be full of glory, you don't need a halo behind your head. You don't need to be a superstar or a megastar. All you need to be is full of grace and full of truth. Okay. So keep your eyes fixed on Christ Jesus always because all the saints could have erred. Even though all the records are not mentioned, there was only one man who was perfect in all his ways. It was Jesus. So God's intention, when you read the word of God, now you have you have all kinds of dreams and all, but some, most of it has nothing to do with God or the coming kingdom. We call it vision. Mostly it is ambition. And we make decisions based on ambition and say, God told me. Years later, by the time we realize what a goof of I've made, you have lost so much time, but God, being so patient and merciful, will still pick us up, wipe those tears and wounds, and get us back on on track that's what I said, what awesome God, but his intention has never changed. What is his intention romans eight twenty nine understand this is his vision for everyone. Whom he foreknew, he also predestined, put this thing over there, Mark, to be conformed to the image of his son. To be conformed to the image of his son. He's relentlessly working on us. The story told about Michelangelo, probably the greatest sculptor ever. He was working on a statue. Okay, You know those days in Italy, you have patrons who are big lords because they had the money and others had the talent. So you need a patron. His patron was walking by and he was working on a statue. And the patron looked at him and said, oh, look at the nose. Just made a comment, look at the nose. Michelangelo looked at the nose and he realized the nose. Something wrong with the nose. The patron went somewhere, came back eight hours later. And you know what Michelangelo was doing on for eight hours? Working on the nose. His patron did not like the look of the nose. The artist for eight hours was trying to fine tune the nose. God has already decided whom he foreknew. He has already predestined, this is my destiny. You know what destiny is? We are destiny's children, and this is my destiny. All he foreknew; he has already it, destined what we will be—conformed to the image of His Son. You can block Him, you can oppose Him, you can fight Him, but it's better to fall in line. Predestined, no? It's an awesome word, right? We are all predestined people. For new by God. David understands these mysteries and he is like, he's writing this psalm with his mouth open. Psalm 139, verse 16. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. He says, even before I was really formed in my mother's womb, you saw me. What else you saw me? And in your book, they were all written. The days fashioned for me. What's the day today? Eighteenth hour? Do you know in God's book for everyone, 19 is already recorded, including what all each one of us will do. Everything is written. 19, 20, 21st, 22nd, till the day we die, everything is already written. Because whom he foreknew, he has already predestined that they will be conformed to the image of his son. That's what he's saying. As when as yet, there were none of them. None of them. This is who God is. It is from these words we receive our comfort. In Romans 15, and uh, I think it's verse 4, did I give it? 15 and verse 4. The Bible says, Whatever things were written before were written for our learning. That we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have. That's what. That's what scriptures. When we go through the doctrine. Go through the experiences of people. Tally with ours. And where they agree we are good. Where they don't agree we ask God's grace to keep changing. You know what it gives us? It gives us hope gives us patience. It gives us comfort. It gives us hope. It gives us hope. Because that's our destiny. That's our destination. If you do not know your destination, how will you know your destiny? Do you know one day, that's what I'm dealing with in the Nepali church, Genesis 16. One day, Abraham created, goofed up his hope. And Sarah is acting like a typical Indian mother chases the servant maid out of the house. The servant maid also, her tail went up. Sarah decided, I'm going to snip your tail off. Hajira, as we say in Hindi, Hagar ran. And when she runs, the angel of the Lord meets her and asks a question. The question is this. He said, Hagar, Sarah's maid, where have you come from? Where are you going? The sixth question God asks in the Bible. Do you know where are you from? Do you know your destiny? Do you know where are you going? Do you know your destination? Or are you like Albert Einstein? Albert Einstein got into a train and he lost his ticket. The ticket conductor came and said, Sir, your ticket. He shirt in all his pockets everywhere. Then he got on his four knees, uh, on two knees. He was looking under the seat and the conductor said, Sir, it is okay, sir. We all know who you are. Sir, it is okay. You don't need to look for the city. He he said, dear sir, I know who I am. You know I am, but I don't know where I am going. I'm looking for the ticket to find out where I am going. Do you know where you are going? God's children, do you know where you are going? Are you ready to go there? Are you prepared to go there? Whole of life after salvation is a preparation for that destination. If we got out of this world, the children of Israel got out of the promised land. And they were out of Egypt. Sorry, out of Egypt. And they were on the way to the promise. Their destiny and their destination was the promised land. A land flowing with milk and honey. God saved us out of this world. Where are we? Next time you have a funeral like we had on May 25th, read what is written on that van in which the mortal remains goes. Heaven bound services. That's what the church is. This is heaven-bound services. We are preparing you to go to heaven. Heaven-bound services. That's where we are going. But you need to know what you are going to be there so you know what the preparation is like. It's not like today. You do B farm and you end up in IT. You do MBA and you are doing something else. You studied one thing, you are doing one thing. No, God doesn't do like that. He's not filling empty slots over there. He's preparing a set of people. In Revelation chapter five, 1, 5 and 6, 5 talks about how the blood of Jesus has washed us from our sins in his own blood. And then says in 6, he has made us. He has made us. Your eternal destiny of every child of God. What is that? Kings and priests of his God and father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. That's what is happening here. That's what God is preparing all his children for. You are what? He has made us. On Monday and Friday mornings, we are doing an in-depth, detailed, words-by-words study on the book of Revelation. We have reached till here, six. No, we reached till seven. Tomorrow will be eight. Go through it. Go through it. It is preparation. It's not an ordinary book. It's a very powerful book the end of the book when you go to the last chapter eternity has begun the millennial reign of jesus christ is over eternity has begun the son has brought every enemy under his feet including death has been thrown into the lake of fire now he hands the kingdom to the father so that god can be all and in all and the reign of the father begins forever and ever and this is what is written in Revelation 22, verse 3. And there shall be no more curse but the throne of God and of the Lamb. And his servants shall serve him. And verse 5 says, and they need, God gives them light. And they shall reign forever and ever. That is destiny. That is destination. But The truth is, none of us are fit for the job. None of us are fit for the job. We have to be made fit. We have to be made fit. All that we are going through is the process of preparation of every individual person. Sometimes we confuse and we get obsessed with the place and not the person. Don't worry about the place. John 14 and verse 2 is the place. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. You don't have to worry about the place. He's preparing it. But if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Verse 2 is completely different. It's talking about you, me, we. It's talking about the persons. This is the difference between a house and a home. We are so busy preparing houses. Everything has to match the color, the furniture, all that is good. But the problem is, what are the kind of people who are living inside there? Do you have peace? Do you have joy? Do you have real good fellowship relationships? It's good to have a good house. It's better to have a great home all houses are not homes and all homes don't need a house when abraham isaac and jacob lived in a tent so please get this clear in the same way we get so obsessed with ministry lord use me lord use me lord use me lord use me that's ministry we don't get so obsessed with the being the minister whom God can use. Becoming the person God can use. To young people, Paul writes to a young person called Timothy, in the great house, there are many vessels, all kinds of vessels. If a young man cleanses himself, he will become a vessel of honor. How God uses you, leave it to Him. Our entire obsession should be Lord, not about the ministry that we do. It's becoming the minister according to your heart. Our obsession should not be about heaven and how many acres I will get. What kind of a house I'm already got the architect I'm designing here. Forget about it. He said, I am preparing. But heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. No? That is what you see. Elijah comes, man of prayer and passion, and he prays, and then God speaks. He stands before the king and the palace and probably the entire retinue, and he speaks boldly, fearlessly. And as soon as finished speaking, God says, get away from here. That's how he says, get away from here. Turn eastward and hide. The next three and a half years is the preparation of Elijah to be the minister who will fulfill God's will in his generation. The preparation of a man. So we look at these pictures of different saints in the Bible, including Jesus Christ. The amount of time that detail God takes to prepare a person. He's gone. He's now hidden. For the next three and a half years, nobody is going to hear. In obscurity. In the wilderness called Kerith. In the wilderness called Zarephath. He's hidden. Yet God is working on him. Can you remain hidden? Can you remain obscure? No Twitter account. No Facebook. No Instagram. No counting every day, first thing in the morning. How many followers? How many read my tweet which had no sense? Can you remain in obscurity and allow God to work? He's a great man of God. Even his own very son. For 30 years, no one saw him. Living in obscurity. Not just living in obscurity. Living in a despised place. Obscurity plus despise. Because the first thing, a good guy responds when he hears about Jesus of Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can you stay in a place like that? Can anything good come out of prison? Oh, tremendous things have come out of prison. Tremendous men and women of God have come out of prison. God didn't even change the format for his own son. Hebrews 5.8 writes like this. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. That's why the prosperity gospel is so popular. Because in the prosperity gospel, there is no preparation. There is no suffering. Name it, claim it, and blame it. Nothing there. And those churches are back. There is no demand. Except for money. There is no demand. Nobody is being prepared for anything. Everything is earthbound, Not heaven bound services. They hold earth bound services. It's all about now. Be careful. Be careful. It's the making of a man. And what is the man going to eat in the beginning? Bread and meat in the morning. Bread and meat in the evening. And drink water from the brook. For how long? We don't know. Until the brook dried. When did it dry? We don't know. Often God's providence in the lives of people who have surrendered to his working does not meet our expectations. Because those who have surrendered to His will and He is working on them, He is not supplying their wants. He is supplying their need. He knows what I need. He knows what you need to be heaven ready. That's why I said, sometimes you are fighting the very things that will make us ready for heaven. Doesn't fit. His providence will never fit. Our human carnal expectation. Go to Zarephath. I have what commanded ravens to feed you and drink from the brook. Lord, what providence of God? Ravens. Then after the brook dries, arise, go to Zarephath. What Lord Zarephath? I have a commanded a widow, a poor widow, to feed you. His providence doesn't meet with our expectations. And so many people are discouraged and depressed not because God is not God in their lives because they haven't understood his providence because he's working on you. They are confused need and want. My God shall supply all my greed. No, all my need. And he alone knows what I need. He knew what Elijah needed. He knew what the children of Israel needed in the wilderness. He alone knows. That's why the first thing to understand and acknowledge and walk in the will of God is to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Because all the needs we storm heaven with is connected with the body. From daily food to a husband or a wife. There is no marriage in heaven, I've told you many times. So why do you need a husband? On earth. Lord, I'm so lonely. And we'll script teacher, it is not good for man to be alone. You're teaching God's scripture now. It's good to be married, okay? I'm not discouraging you. But I'm saying surrender so that you will get a man after God's own heart, not your heart. Many of you are in trouble because you got a man or a woman after your heart. And you didn't realize the heart was deceitful above all things. But as a father, he is going to give us what we need and take us on that route. And if we agree and don't rebel against his spirit, who is the guide, the counselor, the empowerer, he will teach us and help us to get rid of every sin and every weight and build into us Endurance so that we finish the race like an overcomer. That's the obedience that comes by faith. That obedience can be forged into us old-time rebels only in the wilderness, nowhere else. So wilderness is a spiritual state. It's not necessarily a place. It is a place or a spiritual state where you have no control. Only God has. Where you don't get what you want, but you are only given actually what you need and you don't like it. Elijah is being prepared in the wilderness. That's what kerit is called. Kerit means a place he's chipping away, cutting away. Then from there he's put into Zarepha, the crucible or the furnace where God is melting away. Did you know this man needed three and a half years preparation for one day to stand before the powers of darkness? For one day he needed three and a half years of preparation. And for the son of God to stand before every power in heaven and earth and to bring them down, he needed 30 years of preparation because he came in the flesh. One day, Jesus' entire life could be put into four hours he's hanging on the cross. Four hours. And at the end, he says, it's finished. For that four hours, God had to prepare his son in the obscurity in a despised town called Nazareth for 30 years. Salvation is the easiest thing on earth. If you repent and you believe in your heart and confess with the Lord Jesus Christ, you are saved. To be an overcomer is the most difficult task on the earth. God has not made it easy for his son, for any one of us. But it is possible. Elijah in the wilderness. Look at the people in the Bible. Joseph in the wilderness. 13 years, forgotten. Moses in the wilderness, 40 years, forgotten. Israel in the wilderness. David in the wilderness. John the Baptist and John the Apostle in the wilderness. Jesus in the wilderness. So everybody you see in the Bible who you can put in the bracket as an overcomer could not escape the wilderness. So how do you expect to escape? If you think you are not in the wilderness, don't worry, it is coming. Right now many of you are in a cocoon because you have a covering, you are protected and taken care of. One day it will be lifted. When it is lifted, you will understand what it is to be led by God. Because only those who go through the wilderness successfully can become authentic voices of God in this world. Only they can become authentic witnesses. That's what I said, even God's own son had to learn obedience. No? We try to short-circuit the process. It doesn't happen. Now we look over here, okay? Let us, let us be honest. Except a few people like Pastor Vijay and all. Let us be all honest. We all came through school. When we came through school, we all had the same subjects, right? We all had the same subjects. But honestly, if our parents who were all Indians pumped into our heads, bache bete doctor banna. Doctor banna. Bache doctor banna. But there are only four doctors here. Dr. David, Dr. Biola, Dr. Shrishna, and Dr. Clifford Doctors. What happened? They all came through the same school because you realized you did not have the stuff in you to become one. It needed endurance. Everybody's dream was same. Everybody was pumped into them. Your destiny better is to become a doctor, but you didn't become. Why? Why? It's have you noticed the higher you go in education, the smaller the number becomes? We call it higher education, but we never talk about numbers. Okay. So everybody is got this teaching that everybody is going to be an overcomer, a king forever. Admission is free, promotion is not. So fight for it. Don't get discouraged. Fight for it. Take your eyes off things that are below. Keep your heart and mind on things that are above. And look through the word. Ask the spirit. Listen to the teaching and find out what is important for God. That's what Jesus said. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Don't worry about all these things. It will come. It will come. What you need, I will add. But keep your focus. Put your nose towards heaven. Put your nose towards heaven. He says, look through the experience. In this cloud, you see? Do you see this cloud? Do you see righteous Abel? Do you see Enoch? The first man who was raptured. He had to walk 300 years with God before he could be taken. We always talk about the fact he was taken. But the fact was that 299th year he was not ready to be taken. Look at this cloud of witnesses. Noah. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses. Look at these witnesses. Learn from their lives. Where did they get it right? Where did they get it wrong? And through it all, overall, you see the patience, the love, the kindness, the mercy of God. Of God. How patient He was. So you have a promise. He has made us. Kings and priests to his God, unto him. That's a promise. The promise is connected with the position. What is the position? Kings and priests. You will function as priests and as kings. In between is a big line called process. We love the promise and we love the position. But in between is this, is, you know, when you go to these graveyards, you have the tombstone written, whatever is the name, born 1947, then one line and died another. This one line is the entire person's life. One line. That is called the process. Now we are not talking about your IT process. And many of you are not able, struggling in some of your companies because the process changed. And you don't know the new process. Okay. So you got saved. You got so happy. Like I was happy the day I got saved. And that week I got saved. But I did not know. A stranger who did not, whom I did not know. Who knew me very well. Got in. That is Malachi 3.2. Who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and a launderer's soap. Who can endure? Who can stand? The launderer, the refiner, as he was called in the old covenant, he comes and Jesus is very nice. He will say, I will send you somebody just like me. You will never be orphans. He will be the counselor, he will be the guide. You know what he is? the refiner, and the launderer. He begins his work. And most of us fight the very hands that feed us. We are not fighting the devil. Many, many people in their lives are not in any spiritual battle fighting the devil. They are fighting God who is trying to change them in the image of his only son, So God doesn't short-circuit. He doesn't change the process. Look at his own son, how it is written in three different Gospels. Okay, Joanne? Okay, three different Gospels. Matthew, Luke, and Mark. Look at Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. Look. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into... Led... By the Spirit into the wilderness and immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. Okay, Can we go to Matthew 1 again? He was led by, he was led up and he was driven. He was led by the Spirit, led up into the wilderness by the Spirit and driven by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. Who is this? The sun. Talking about Israel in Deuteronomy 8, verse 1 and 2, where their testing ground was, Israel who came out of Egypt, we who came out of the world of sin. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to you, your fathers. You shall remember the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. For what? To humble you and to test you to know what was in your heart. What was in your heart? What was in your heart? See, only the wilderness will reveal what is in our heart. See, honeymoon is not forever. Once you come back from the honeymoon, the real life begins. Then what is in the heart comes out. So don't get upset about what is happening in your homes. Just learn, these things are coming out. These things were always there. It was there when you were in Egypt. We were in the world. God saved us from the world. But that does not mean the world left us. So he brings us into the wilderness as an individual. He brings us into the wilderness has families. And when these struggles begin, it comes out. He said, where did this come out? Don't worry, it is nothing new. It was just hidden. It was in you. Everything comes out. Remember that old illustration I showed you? I got a young man to come here with a full glass. And then I came and I told him to come and hit push me and the water spilled. My water was in my hand, spilled on my shirt. And then I asked you all, why did the water spill on my shirt? And you all said, because he pushed me. I said, no, it is not because he pushed me, because it was water in the glass. If the glass was empty, he can do whatever, nothing will spill on me. So people who push you, God uses them to show what is in you. It comes out. And you need to realize, thank you, Lord. I didn't know this was inside me. But you can push the son of man to the extreme, strip him, make him naked, whip him, nail him on the cross. He opens his mouth and forgives his enemies. Because what was in came out. Every time he opens his mouth, in extreme circumstances, what is in is coming out. That's why we are in the wilderness. That's why we are in the wilderness. God has to take every child of his. There is no shortcut called Egypt to promised land. No shortcut. The question of how long you will be in the wilderness is determined by two parties. Sometimes with a servant of God, it is decided by God. Sometimes it is decided by you. It was a two-year journey. It became 40 years. It became 40 years. So the question is this. Can we go through the process Or will we fight? Look at Nehemiah. Chapter 9. 19 and 20. Yet in your manifold mercies. You did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud did not depart from them by day. To lead them on the road. Nor the pillar of fire by night. To show them the light. And the way they should go. And verse 20. You also gave them your good spirit. Instruct them. So they too were led in the wilderness by the Spirit, by the same Spirit who led his son into the wilderness. So is God partial? No, he's not. He's not. It was the same Spirit. Isaiah 63. Who led them through the deep as a horse in the wilderness that they might not stumble. As a beast goes down into the valley and the spirit of the Lord causes him to rest. So you led your people to make yourself a glorious name. Do you know why he's leading us through the wilderness? So that when we come out the way we should come out, he receives glory. So that he can say, this is my son and this is my daughter in whom I am well pleased. He receives glory. You see, you get a distinction. You get a medal. You are happy. You jump. Then you go home and ask money from your father or mother to go out with your friends and celebrate. And two days later it is over. But for your father and mother, it is put there in the case which is called to show. which is called showcase. And every visitor who comes, whether it's a stranger or known one, you will say, my son. Who got the glory? Parents got the glory. If we finish well, who gets the glory? God gets the glory, Jesus gets the glory. Are you getting it? You know. Length is determined by us and God. Moses was driven into the wilderness. When he went into the wilderness, you know what is written about him? He was trained in all the wisdom of Egyptians, mighty in words and deeds, and he was a short-tempered, angry man. That's what he was. When he came out of the wilderness, 40 years later, it is written, he was the meekest man on earth with whom God could speak face to face. The question is, what made him meek? The wilderness. The wilderness. Joseph was in the wilderness of Egypt. Now he's in the wilderness of Egypt. Came out after thirteen years. Now he's the Prince of Egypt. Do you know who he is? He's the most merciful, forgiving person living under the heavens. What caused him to be that man? The wilderness. David comes after being chased for 14 years, roughly 14 years. When he comes after the wilderness, he is God's anointed king. Man after God's own heart. When he wins his battles, the first thing, do you know what he says? Is there anybody from the household of his mortal enemy who put him in the wilderness for 14 years, called Saul, to whom I can show grace? Question is, what made him that man? The process. Do you know when Nabal sent his servants back by saying ah, tell him to go. I'm not going to give him anything. What did David say? Strap your swords. Let's go. We'll finish them off. Oh, he wasn't yet ready to be king. Not yet ready to be king. Got it. few more years. You're not ready. You are my king. Not the people's king. People need angry, short-numbered, proud peacocks. He says, my soldiers, my kings, my priests are made of different metal. You're not ready. Stay there. Stay there. So learn through these people so that you are able to identify. Okay, I am also going through a wilderness season. I feel abandoned. I feel alone. I feel despised. I feel nobody cares. All my dreams have gone down the drain. What is happening? You're being prepared. If you have a promise, you're being prepared. You're being prepared. Okay. That's what Psalm 105 says about, about Joseph. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time his word came to pass. He had a promise is going through the process. and Then the word of the Lord was testing him constantly. Can you imagine he gets the dream at 17. You make him king. This peacock who is walking around with a multicolored coat who is going and telling his father all the time what his brothers are doing. Do you know what kind of a king he would have been? He was not ready. He had to go through the process from father's house to the pit to slavery, to dungeon, then he was ready. Then he was ready. No. That's the same thing. Moses who thought he could do everything, when God came to him, he said, I can't do anything. And God asked him just one primary question. What is the question? What is in your hand? My hmm, shepherd's stuff. I don't we know, by now we know what happened. But read those two verses, Exodus 4, 17 and 20. You shall take this rod in your hand, with which you shall do the signs. How will you do the signs? With the rod. This is the rod. With this rod you shall do the signs. And verse 20. And Moses took his wife, his son, set them on a donkey. He returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of. So this what is this rod of God? New revelation. The rod of God is the sum total of the experiences of Moses of 40 years in the wilderness, which God will use for the rest of his life to lead his people and bring them out of bondage. That's your wilderness experience. The rod of God. Take it and get my people out. Because for 40 years, that's what he has been, the shepherd. God says, in the wilderness, I have prepared you. That life of in the wilderness, where you have learned to become my man, that is what will do signs and wonders. You know what's the wilderness? Wilderness is place the old man dies. Old man will never enter into the promised land. The old man will never enter into heaven. He has to die. He has to die. And the place where he dies... Is called wilderness. You know David? All those years David, before he ascended the throne, most of his life was in the wilderness. Do you know what God says in Psalm 78? 1, 2 and 3, 70 to 72. He also chose David, his servant, and took him from where? As she falls from the wilderness, from following the eaves that had young, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel's inheritance. So he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hand. Where do you learn these things? To become king, God used that wilderness to prepare David to become his king. Do you see that? The pattern has never changed for anybody. Anybody. Because I know. Because I'm your pastor, I know. And many listening online. You are going through a terrible wilderness. Many of you. You don't know what to do. You don't know what to do. My question is, if sin has not driven you into the wilderness, if it is God, hang in there. Allow him to do your work. Allow him to do your work. This is something incredible that happens in Mark. These are all, that's why some miracles are repeated in different gospels. In Mark chapter 6, uh, 31, he said to them, that is disciples, Come aside by yourself to a deserted place, wilderness, and rest a while. For there were many coming and going that they did not even have time to eat. So departed the deserted place in the boat by themselves. And what happened? But the multitude saw them departing. Many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. And they arrived before them and came together to them. Where are they? All in the wilderness. And Jesus looked at them. The Bible says he had compassion on them. He says, let us feed them. Therefore, the typical two questions. Little boy gives his lunch. Jesus multiplies it. And they were all fed. When they were all fed and finished and departed. One command was given to the disciples. What is that? John 6, 12. When they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so nothing is lost. Why? Because that is the bread you received from God in the wilderness. The lessons you learned. Don't lose even a frag. Because it is holy. That is what prepares you for the life ahead. Don't drop it. Carry them all. Carry them all. If you read the entire gospel, Jesus ate at many places. He never told them to pick up the fragments. Only in the wilderness. Because these are wilderness lessons. Wilderness lessons. Matthew 40. Sorry, Isaiah 40, 3 to 5. The voice of one crying in the? When you are in the wilderness, there is a voice that is crying. What is the voice that is crying? Prepare, prepare, prepare. The way of the Lord. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight. And the rough places smooth. In the wilderness, you see this. You see, all of us who in the bad old days grew up watching movies. no, You don't realize these patterns are always shown in movies. Because movies is ex- actually a mirror of human reality, you know. A rich, proud woman or somebody gets married or get lost in the wilderness or something. And when she is being fed something in a very simple plate and all, first she will say, hmm. no, she's hungry. But she cannot eat because it is below her dignity. So what was in came out. High mountain was discovered. He says it will be brought low. Finally, when your stomach starts hitting your backbone, you go quietly when everybody is pretending you are asleep, and you go the leftovers, and you eat. What happened? In the wilderness, a mountain was brought down. When the wilderness experience comes, when salmon bites, when isolation comes, when you are despised, when you are rejected, all these things will be discovered. And God will say deal with those things because only when these things are dealt with then only I can come in my true glory into your life. I want to come. I want you to experience me. But all these things are standing in the way. Shall we deal with these? These are things. That's what he's telling Saul. Saul, Saul. Saul, Saul. Why do you fight against the goats? Why not goats? Goats. So you might be in the wilderness as a young man. You might be in the wilderness. Maybe that is a young man here. Every five girl you propose rejected. Lord, is anything wrong with me? Why does everybody say no? A lot of young people are here. A lot of young people. Here. Man, girl, anybody. Maybe it's in your marriage. They are going through the wilderness. You are like God in the book of Isaiah. I waited all day long for my husband and he never comes home. Or he comes home and he never sees me. Or it could be a the other way around. It could be a home. Could be an office. Could be a business. Could be a school. It could be a school. It's your college. I know what it is. I grew up for many years in my life as the only brown Indian student among 500 others who were not of my origin, of my language, of my color, of my tongue. Who were all like that, plain and fair and not hairy and here am I like and they call me a bear. Balu Amdecha, Balu. That's how you grow up. People go through all this. Everybody. You do not realize why these things have to be dealt with Is because sometimes these are the things by reason why you do certain things. And God says, I don't want you to do things. I want you to do things for the right reason. Right reason. I don't want to. No, the nizam of Hyderabad. The world's richest man he was. But when he was Nizam and he wanted to buy a Rolls Royce, they refused to sell a Rolls Royce to him. Why? Because he was an Indian. And British is ruling India. They refused. So he used a white agent and bought around a hundred Rolls Royce and left them in his garage to rot. Why? To show them. What a waste of money. Every high mountain shall be brought low. You do not know why you do the things which you do. The reason, the wilderness will reveal it. God puts us through the process. A highway for God has to be made. But before the highway that can be made for God in His splendor and in His glory and His fullness to be mount, there is a voice that is crying. Listen to that voice. It is the voice, not of John. It is the voice of the Holy Spirit in John telling us. The voice in Elijah's spirit telling us. This is what it is. Get rid of that pride. Fill those valleys. This road is very rough. Make it smooth. This is too crooked. Make it straight. He comes. Through another Old Testament prophet, he says, I am the plumb line." You know, after the mason has done everything, he puts the plumb line and he looks and he looks and then he takes them. It's not straight yet. God says, I am the plumb line. You are not straight yet. Lord, why need, it's not about you child. It's about me. I wanna come in and stay in you, in my glory. Cause do you know your destiny? Do you know your destination? Hager, Hager. Where are you coming from? Where are you going? That is the only house that knows me. Go back to your mistress and submit to her. Don't die in the wilderness. Go back. Questions God asks. In the wilderness, please remember, there are other voices too. Luke for verse 3. Jesus in the wilderness. And the devil, who said? Devil said, when you are in the wilderness, it is not just one voice. There are other voices. Be careful. Learn to discern who is speaking. That's why I said, be very careful. Not confusing logos and Rima. Rima will never contradict logos. This is my assurity. By two immutable things, God has sworn himself. What is the two immutable things? God does not lie. God does not die. Read the book of Hebrews. Two immutable things, unchanging things, God has sworn. This is his word. I do not lie. If Logos and Rima contradicts, God is a liar. And he never dies. Forever and ever and ever. He has sworn. He has sworn. So be careful, there are other voices in the wilderness. And they can come with nice clerical garbs. Why has America fallen? you know why America fell? Because the church fell. Not because of any other reason. As long as the pulpits were true and preached the word of God, America was strong. When the pulpit was compromised and deception came in, America went down. They are still trying every other solution. Political solution, economic solution, military solution. Nothing will work if America has to write, come back, the pulpit has to be set right again. There is no other way. For God, the solution is always spiritual. It is true as an individual too. The solution is spiritual. Come back to God. Come through the process. Come through the process. There is no other way. There is no other way. So in the wilderness, who is there? The devil is also there. That's why I said if you have a problem, don't run with it. Because wherever you go, the problem follows you. You can't leave your problem behind and go to Washington. Oh, I am oh, I've got so much problem in Hyderabad. I'm praying to God for an opening in Washington, DC. You reach there, your problem has reached there before you. When you reach your home, how did it reach here? Deal with your problem. That's why he takes you to the wilderness. Matthew 11. I hope my daughter is not listening. She's in D.C. (laughs) Honey, if you are listening, till late night she was chatting with me. She was upset about the kid who died. They were all upset. All the young people are upset. It's not easy to see somebody of your own. He's 27 years. His body is found dead. It's not easy. Okay, when people die old, we know they lived a full life, they went in peace. But when a person dies young, it's a tragedy. It's not easy to handle that. So God asked this question. Jesus, from the heart's mouth, Matthew chapter 11, 7. They departed and Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John. That's Elijah's prototype 2,000 years ago. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? Are we shaken by the way? First question: What did you go into the wilderness? When you went to the wilderness, what did you expect to say? What did you expect to say? To be convinced or to be convicted? I have all this idea. Lord, I am waiting for you to convince me. Instead you are getting conviction after conviction. The voice in the wilderness. What did you go? What did you go into the wilderness? I led he led them into the wilderness to humble them to test them so that they might know what was in their heart. So Jesus is asking the people. Elijah came, right? John came, right? And he all went into the wilderness. What did you go into the wilderness to see? First question. What did you go to see? To be convinced in your rebellion or to be convicted of your sin? A reed shaking in the wind. But he never shook in the wind. He was steady all those months and weeks. He never changed his message. His message was always the same. It didn't matter who came. The message was all. He never shook. Oh, he let me change. He was never a people pleaser. He always spoke the same thing from behind that pulpit in the wilderness. Repent. The kingdom of God is near. Simple language Change. He is coming. Verse 8. What did you go out to in the wilderness to see? A man clothed in soft garments. Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in the king's houses. What did you go there for? What did you go there for? When you went to the church, what did you very expect? A message that will tell me and keep me very comfortable and soft clothes. Brother, believe, brother, believe. I see. Oh, I see. Yes, that is Mercedes E-class. You are driving. I see, brother, I see. Poor fellow came on a bicycle, okay? I see you, brother, I see you, brother. Okay. Oh, there is, you are going to get a six-figure salary. But if you believe, brother, put a thousand rupees in the offering. What did you go to see? Some feko? Who wears soft clothes? What did you go to see there? He says, no. That's not John. When you went to the wilderness, he's asking us questions. What were your expectations today when you came into the house of God? Oh, pastor loves me. I call him Papu. He's going to give me something nice. I'm giving you very good things which will change your life for eternity. And I love you. Honestly, if you... We have to get into my mind and into my heart. I think of nobody in my life except my family and my church day in and day out. Nobody else. There's nothing else in my mind. I only think about my family and my church. Nobody else. But I'm not a reed that will shake in the wind. I'll not change the message. I have to give you what you need and I need, we need Not what you want. Because when you reach eternity, we will realize. All these prosperity gospels which are back to the brim give you what you want. Not what you need. Verse 9. What did you go out to in the wilderness to see? A prophet. A prophet? Yes, I say. More than a prophet. More than a prophet. I've been telling for days and days together. One third of this book is prophecy. One third of this book is prophecy. And the final book is entirely prophecy. And a blessing is pronounced not only that all scripture is profitable, but in Revelation 1-3 says, blessed is he who reads, who hears this prophecy and keeps those things which are written it for the time is near. That's why we decided the Lord decided go on a verse by verse study of the book of Revelation so that you can be free in my sight. You have prepared your people. And they are blessed if they receive it. What did you go into the wilderness for? Whom did you go to see? A prophet? More than a prophet. Oh, there were many prophets before him. From righteous inner converts, prophet prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet says. And they prophesied in so many ways the same thing about the first coming of Jesus Christ. Until one more than a prophet came. That was John. He came and said, behold the Lamb of God that takes the sins of the world." The last generation that emerges after the wilderness will be different because they will see him with their eyes. Behold, the lion of Judah has come to take me home. What did you go into the wilderness for? What did they go out to see? To hear? Matthew 3, 1 and 1 to 3 says, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of the one crying, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Did you see that?
1: Otherwise, make the way straight.
0: We are not straight yet. There are so many areas in our life until the wilderness. You may think you are very patient man until wilderness hits, then the impatience will come out. You will think where you are very kind man, when you are led into the wilderness, the unkindness comes out. Oh, you think you are very loving until you are reaches the wilderness. Can you pass the wilderness test? Will we die in the wilderness? Or whether we'll come out of the wilderness? There's a promise given. We saw that promise was fantastic, right? Saw that from Revelation 1 5. Promises of God. yea and amen in Christ Jesus. Some promises are temporal. Some promises are eternal. If only in this life you have hope in Christ Jesus, you are the most pitiable of all men. That is 1 Corinthians 15, 19. Temporal promises, hanging on to it. What about the eternal ones? He has made us kings and priests unto his God forever. What about eternal promises? But pastor, I have never received a promise. Oh, really? What does Hebrews eleven six say? You shouldn't need it. You should don't need it on the screen. What does Hebrews eleven six say? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For anyone who comes to God must believe that He is. For He is the rewarder of those who, those who, those who diligently seek Him, not casual seekers. Did you diligently seek him? Everyone who diligently seek him has been rewarded with a promise. It didn't matter who it was. The promise should have gone to Reuben. It went to Joseph. So your age doesn't matter. Where you are born doesn't matter. What number, nothing matters. Do you diligently seek him? There were seven in Jesse's family, but the eighth one received the promise. And he was in the wilderness. Seek him diligently you will have a promise. And your destiny? Your destiny? Hebrews 11, 9 and 10. By faith you dwelt in the land of promise as a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker was God. If you know your destiny, it will show in your life. Some Full explanation of the two verses. If you know you are going to heaven, it will show the way you live on earth. You may have everything, but you are attached to nothing. Because you know, when you die, you take nothing with you. So you are not worried about losing or gaining things. Either way. Because you know where you are going. That's what it means. He lived with them in tents.
1: That one word
0: tent. Why? Because he was looking. He knew his destination. He knew where he was going. So that's the process. God is putting us through. So understand. Whether it's your marriage. Whether it's your home. Whether it's your office. Whether it's your business. Whatever you are going through. Don't misunderstand what God is doing. And turn mad at God. Don't end up like Naomi. Got an awesome name and terrible character. My name is Pleasant, but call me Mara. God is against me. God is for you, honey. For your sake, the whole of Bethlehem, for your sake, he touched the fields of Bethlehem, caused it to come up. There is harvest time. Brought this news to Moab where you had run away and disobedient so that you could come back and he could redeem you. He is not hard against you. He is for you. I was hoping in the wilderness you would learn the lesson. You didn't, but the Moabite girl did. Moabite God did. That's what I said. Those statements we make are not statements. Whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. And men like Job, of which 40 chapters are written about the sorrow and the suffering he went through, will hold on to the word if he had and still say, even if you slay me, I will still serve you. No one else. No one else. No one else. And he's the one. He's purging me in the, in the fire. When I have come out, I shall be pure as gold. Understood purpose. At the end of it, he says, Earlier my ears had heard about you, but as I have come out of my wilderness, now mine eyes have seen you. Malachi three three, this is what God says. He will sit as a refiner, purifier of silver. He will purify who? Sons of Levi. You are a royal priesthood. He has made us kings and priests. You are the sons of the new covenant, Levi. You are priests. He says, if you have to be a priest and offer sacrifices to me, I have to purge you first purge you as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Do you know the whole flooring in heaven is gold? And do you know the nature of that gold? It's transparent. Do you know that? Read the book of Revelation. How is the flooring of heaven? Transparent gold. What is it talking about? It's talking about the saints. They have come through pearls like gold and there is nothing more hidden in their lives. They are transparent before God and man. Nothing hidden. That's why when people say we are a cult, I say we have nothing that we preach that is in secret. Everything is open. Cults do things in secret. They have secret membership. They have secret timings. Everything is open. There. Listen, from the first message preached on June 1st, 2008 onwards, everything is there in the public domain. Transparent. That's how we have to reach at the end. Gold through. No draws. nothing. God led them into the wilderness. That's, let me change that word. The father led his children into the wilderness. They didn't like the wilderness. All the way they fought with him in the wilderness. First Corinthians 10.5 gives the record. With most of them God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. That's the story of the church too. When you reach eternity, we will realize so many peace reached heaven, but they did not reach heaven the way they should have reached heaven. their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. What God had come to give us in its fullness, most did not receive. They fought him all the way, all the way. <laughs> Do you know what 's interesting? Go back and read the subsequent five verses. We are not putting it up on the screen today. Five things are written, five. There are many things, but five things are mentioned about what they did in the wilderness that made God mad. It's not just what they did. They didn't even repent about it. Okay? First, they lusted about evil things. Then, the sexual immorality. Then, idolatry. Then, they tempted Christ. And the fifth one is, which is interesting. When you read the fifth one, You should fall on your knees. They murmured. They murmured. They complained. You know what complaining in the wilderness primarily is? We are questioning the integrity of God. The whole nation murmured. I look those verses and I look at that murmuring part and I Lord help me Lord. Help me Lord. The final book in the old covenant you know (coughs) Malachi it's a very interesting book. Malachi is with which it ends and by the time you come to the final chapter it talks about the hearts of the fathers, Elijah will come again with the heart, turn the hearts and otherwise the day, the dreadful day of the Lord and it a occurs. But before that, there's an interesting chapter, two divisions in chapter three. Yeah, Malachi three. He, uh, No, 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 not three, three. I gave it to you. Malachi three, 13 to 15, <clears throat> 13 to 15 and 16 to 17. <clears throat> Your words have been harsh against whom? against me. You see, God is listening to every conversation. He can't help it. Even if you put wax in his ears, he can still hear. Sarah laughed in her mind and he said, why did you laugh? I didn't laugh. He said, you did because I saw. Your lips were like, but inside it was going like this. Yet you have, what have you spoken against you? You have said it is useless to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and we have walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts? You have. Maybe in privacy. We have. What is the point? Ministry, ministry. What did I get out of it? No, I don't say that. <laughs> that one thing. Very, very careful. Do we say? What is the point? Week after week after week after going to church, been faithful in tithing, still hand to mouth. The words have been hard against me. But look at the wicked. That fellow never goes to church. Every second word is a curse, but he gets the promotion in the office. God says, your words have been harsh against me. Do we complain? Do we murmur? Then there is another group in the same chapter, verse 16 and 17. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. They were, they they are also going through this, they are also same citizens of the same office going through the same process, but God is listening to them because they feared God and heard them. And a book of remembrance was written. God says write their words. These are the ones coming through the fire. Write their words down. For those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name, they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. On that day, I make them my jewels. And I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. What is the difference between these two groups? Going through the same wilderness, but what, how they reacted was different. One group is grumbling, murmuring, Other one. Right? So this one, which group do we fall into? Because we are going to communion. We have crumbled, murmured, complained, questioned. Questions are asked in a Proper tone and frame of mind, it is okay. Why, Lord? He has no issues. It's the Father. But if you're shaking your fist, you are going to communion. That's why I said. This is a table God has set before us. You know what? To judge ourselves. If you said, if you judge yourself, one, you won't be judged with the world. Judge yourself. Let's have the elders. Let's have the worship team. Judge ourselves. Quickly, quickly move. Remember, we have only one thing in life that is common. Time. The Spirit of the Lord told Philip as a chariot was passing. What did he tell him? Run. And he ran. So he didn't miss his text. Quickly come. Quickly come. You have enough? Yes. Can I have a stanza with the rest of the worship team?
1: of my life I crown thee
0: For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink in remembrance of me. Please hold the emblems. We shall partake of it together at the end. Father, this morning we come to you, Lord. We thank you for your son. That he came through the wilderness. That he came through triumphant. And even on the cross, he was triumphant for our sake, Lord. Therefore, this morning, as we partake of the emblems of your body and your blood, I pray it will bring healing. It will bring restoration. It will bring deliverance in the life of your children. Those who are weak will go out strong. Those who are asleep will go with a quickening in their spirit. And those who are ill will go healed. For this purpose, the Son of Man came To destroy the works of the devil. Thank you, thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.
1: King of my life, I crown thee now, thine shall the glory.
0: Anybody missing the cup? Bread and cup. Cup here, here, Jyoti here. Here, here, on the right. Here, cup, cup. Yeah, bread and cup here. Shall we partake the emblem of his body that hung on the cross for us? Shall we partake of the emblem of his blood that was shed for the remission of our sins to bring us out of our spiritual Egypt? Could you pass the cups to the end of the aisle? We'll finish. We'll finish quickly. You cannot short-circuit. There are no shortcuts out of Egypt to the promised land. There's only one way God will take all his child, all His children. The two choices are before us. One is a choice we saw in Corinthians 10:5. You can choose to die in the wilderness. Or the other choices, Luke four and verse 14. What's written? Look for fourteen, and Jesus returned from where? From the wilderness, the power of the Holy Spirit. Two choices before everyone. As we officially celebrate our fifteen end of fifteen years, whatever you are going through, everyone has two choices. Look here, your eyes shows you are paying attention. Look here. Unless you have never seen a table cover before, you can look at it for the first time. Look here, it's one thing distraction, and that is students are distracted as the ex-classroom teacher. Thank God I'm a pastor, not a teacher. For as a teacher, would be standing by the door, so that you can see everything. That's why I said, if you cannot see the teacher, you can go see the world. Go stand there, then the principal will see you. Okay, two choices before everybody: either you can die in the wilderness. Come out. Power of the Holy Spirit. Three and a half years later, Elijah will come. The power of the Spirit. As one man stand on Mount Carmel against the king, the people, the powers of darkness. One man. Ask the question, where did this power come from? Why could God endue a man with that kind of power? Because he came through the wilderness. Do you know what Joseph went through? 13 years. And he didn't do anything wrong. You could be in the wilderness because you did everything right. But still you have to go through the wilderness. No exemptions to this rule. Even his own son, in whom no deceit was found in his mouth, had to go through the wilderness. Joseph had to go through the wilderness, from the pit, to slavery, to prison. Do you know what it was like? See, we read scripture, but we don't read it carefully. Even when he's raised up, he comes through the wilderness, and one day he's raised up and he becomes prince of Egypt. Even there, years later, when his brothers come and he doesn't identify identify himself, but when he offers them or gives a feast, it is written, he is eating by himself as governor. Why? Because he is a Hebrew. And Egyptians don't eat with Hebrews because Hebrews are an abomination. So how do you think he was in Potiphar's house? How do you think it was for him? What kind of a life? All alone. Every meal. All alone. 13 years. 13 into 3. 365. Despised. It doesn't matter how go you go up. It does not matter. Sitting, eating alone. No fellowship. You are in the wilderness. Nobody cares. There's a lot of people who may feel like that. Nobody cares for me. Despised, isolated. Nobody gives two hoots about me. That was Joseph. In your wilderness. Nobody loves me. Everybody has forgotten me. And that's the time a woman comes and offers him love. In the wilderness, a voice comes. And he says, In the wilderness. In the wilderness. The last stages of your wilderness journey will be the darkest. Hang in there. Don't quit. After two years traveling in the wilderness, children of Israel came to Kadesh Barnea. They can see the promised land. And the fruits of the promised land have been brought before you. And then they crumbled. Deliverance was just there. They could have gone in and taken it. Just two years they would have lived in the promised land. At that point, they fell. They grumble. They turned around. Rebelled against God. You look at the Bible. The story is the same for everybody. Everybody. That's why when you're going through your wilderness, when it looks darkest and the most terrible, hold on to your promise, cling to the cross and say, Lord, even if you slay me, I will only serve you. No one else. The worst part of it was that for a false accusation thrown into the prison, thrown into the dungeon and then little later comes two people from the king's palace. Listen carefully. And One day, he looks at them and said, what's wrong with you? And they say, we had a dream. We had a dream. If you or I were in Joseph's place, do you know what we would say? Dreams. I also had a dream. What dreams? They never come to pass. You know what happened to my dream? First I was thrown into a prison. Then I was sold in the slave market. And I reached here. All dream what are you dreaming about? These things don't matter. But he's holding on to his promise and said, Tell me your dream. Because dreams come to pass. I haven't quit on my dream. Don't quit on yours. Holding on, hanging on to the faithfulness of God. And the dream comes true. And as the man is going, he says, when you go to the Pharaoh, will you put in a word for me? And that's the last terrible two years. The Bible, it is written, the butler went and promptly forgot. Joseph. He thought
1: one person
0: at least will remember me. He also forgot. Two years. The last stages of your wilderness journey is where it will be. You will be tested most. Everybody in the Bible. Everybody in the Bible. It's the same story. Forty days and forty nights in the wilderness. Fasting. And what we have is the temptations at the last hour of the wilderness. Enormously powerful temptation coming upon Jesus. The devil himself comes. It's at the end, hoping to break him. He comes through. 13 years, 14 years, running from King Saul, keeping his righteousness, running, 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 running. Then in the last stage of his wilderness, Comes to his hometown called Ziglag. Everything is burned. Everything is lost. Everything is given. All his soldiers give upon him. Pick up stones. This is your darkest hour. What will you do? Fall or rise? One word is written there. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. After that, it's history. Lot of people lot of people give up at the edge of their breakthrough. At the edge of their breakthrough. At the edge of their breakthrough. He's faithful. The one who promised is faithful. Why I spend so much time talking about the wilderness, you cannot but go through the wilderness. That is promised to every child of his. But in the wilderness, turn around and learn the lesson of the wilderness. Learn what he's trying to teach me. What do I have to get rid of in my life? What sin? What weight? Purge me? Cleanse me? Refine me? Bring me through. But when I come through, Jesus came through. He came through the power of the Holy Spirit. In one day, he was lying there in the dungeon in chains. The next day, hastily it says, the Pharaoh would bring him. Hastily, they washed him, cleaned him, shaved him, changed his robe. He's standing before the Pharaoh. He he explains the dream. Gives him counsel. And the Pharaoh looks at him. There's nobody in the kingdom like you. The spirit of God is speaking through. From today, there will be no one other than me above you. Everything is in your hands. What happened? One day. One day. Same thing with Elijah. Chariot. Zarephah. Chariot. Zarephah. Sitting there. Lonely isolated. Lord, I had a dream. I had a dream. I had a dream. I had a vision. I remember standing before the king. I don't know what is happening. Then the word of the Lord came. You are ready. Go meet King Ahab. Tell him to gather the people on Mount Carmel. Elijah's hour has come. Before that and after that no other man has brought fire down from heaven. And turned an entire nation back to God. So through the process, a person was being prepared. Being prepared. Nobody sitting here, nobody can skirt the process. So you and me have two choices. Either die in the wilderness, or come out in the power of the Spirit in the wilderness. As Moses told the people, choose today whom you will serve. <laughs> Joshua said, I said before you, life and death, blessing and curses. You choose. God is saying the same. Can either wander and die? I brought you out. I won't take you back. Wander and die. Or learn the lesson. Come out in the power. It is not the ministry that is important. It is the minister that God is trying to make all of us.
1: Ministers
0: of His grace. Ministers of His truth. Even His own son. In your home. In your home. In your office. In your church. Wherever He goes. He's doing a work in us. Allow Him to work it through. He is the author and the finisher finisher. Faith is not an idea. Faith is a life. You shall walk by faith. You shall love by faith. So faith is a life. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen? Shall we stand up? Father, this morning, above all, we want to thank you for your patience, O oh Lord. You've been so patient with us, with me, and with us. 15 years and 20 days earlier, I too was in the wilderness. Didn't know what to do. That's when you said, time has come for you to start my church. You had to take me into the wilderness before I would see light and obey you. Today, your people stand before you here in your house and online around the world. But it was the work that began in the wilderness. So for everyone here, you have a destiny and a destination for everyone standing here. And many are in the wilderness. Then I pray in the spirit, they will hear the voice crying in the wilderness, prepare, prepare, prepare the way, the straight way for the Lord. Get rid of that sin. That easily entangles. Get rid of that weight. You don't need that where you are going. It's just a hindrance. It's a stumbling. Somebody here. Wardrobes full of clothes. Give it away. Give it away. You don't wear it. You won't give it. It's a weight. Give it away. Whatever it is, I have no clue. Only God knows. I know my weights. You know your weights. Let the Spirit show. We are the children of Abraham according to the promise. The man, the richest man of his times living in a tent. Because he was looking forward to a city whose foundation and builder was God. Put away that ego today. Go back. I don't know who it is. You need to go back and say, I humble myself. Forgive me. Forgive me. I have rebelled against God and against you. It could be a child, it could be a wife. I don't know who it is. It's a mountain which has to be brought low. Somebody, it's a valley. Depressed, discouraged, abused, ignored, despised, isolated. It's a valley. You will sink in that valley. Let the Spirit of God come and fill it up and pick you up. For if any man, woman is in Christ Jesus, he a new creation. And it is written, all things have been made new. Like Joseph. Come out of your dungeon. The self-inflicted chains are being taken out now in the name of Jesus. The fetters that has crippled you is being taken out now in the name of Jesus. That spirit of self-pity, orphan spirit is leaving now in the name of Jesus. Know who you are. You are God's own child. Doesn't matter what people say. What matters is what God says. It doesn't matter. Nobody knows your name or will not even call you by name and calls you names instead. For it is written about you. I have engraved your name on the palms of my hand. And that same God, your father says, No one can pluck you from my hands. Come out of that valley. For it is dark in those valleys. Come out. Break those chains of lust. Spirits of lust, demons of lust are just using your body. You think it's you. No, you are a victim. Maybe you open the door, but you don't know who all came in. Now they have taken your body. Many standing here. Many standing here. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, let every unclean spirit leave. In the name of Jesus, let it leave. For it is written, you are the temple of the living God. If any man defiles the temple, God will destroy that temple. But he has not come today to destroy He has come to cleanse and to build. Allow the Spirit of God to cleanse you. The blood to wash you. To set you free. For this purpose the Son of Man came to destroy the works of the devil. Let restoration take place in lives. In homes. Let young people be set free. Let them have dreams and visions. Let them know their destiny and their destination. Let them prophesy. For the time is near. Let this generation be a different generation. Let the spirit of supplication and prayer rest upon the young ones. Let a generation rise that knows their God.
1: Touch, Lord. Touch your people, Lord. Touch your people.
0: Touch us, Lord. Touch us. We are moving into a different paradigm, Lord, today. You are shifting us. You are moving us, we believe. We believe. My final prayer to you, Father, is this. Let no one die in the wilderness. Let them come out at your appointed time in the power of the Holy Spirit. To be a sign and a wonder and above all a witness of the living God. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Lord, we praise you. We worship you. We glorify you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of the Father. The fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Amen.